So it's the 8th of July, 2021. And so we've come to sit in meditation, cultivating our minds, uh, developing what we call kamatana. And so kama is the work that we engage in, and this tana is a basis, a foundation. So for anything that we build, a ubosato hall, a stupa, these all need foundations, especially if they're very large, heavy buildings. And we need to build this foundation first. We need to construct this first. So when we refer to, to monks as meditation monks, kamatana monks, really what this word monk means, it means that which is noble. And kama is the work that we do, and tana is the basis. And so as meditation monks, we need to take our meditation as the basis, as the foundation for our hearts. The homes that we build, um, any other kind of buildings, they all need a foundation for the house to be strong. A dharma hall, um, other buildings, uh, huts, for example, these all need foundations. And the larger the building is, the stronger that foundation needs to be in order for it to be able to support the structure. So for meditation monks, we need to have meditation there. Uh, and this is what we engage in, this is our occupation. So such as these meditation objects of hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin. And these are the five kamatana objects that we're given. And we can recite these back and forth, back and forth, as the basis for our hearts. So as monks we need to practice. And if we don't train, if we don't practice, then our hearts won't be with these meditation objects. And in that case, they'll be kind of floating about, they'll be easily pushed around. So perhaps we can take the words of Buddha, Dhammo, Sangha as our meditation objects. And these, although just the word Buddha, and this is Buddha Nusati, the recollection of the Buddha, something which brings up a sense of ease within the heart. So when we come to sit in meditation like we are now, then we need to lay things down and we need to establish our hearts. We tell ourselves that at this time, even though there may be many people around us, that we tell ourselves that we're sitting just alone. And then we spread metta and think, may I be well, may I be happy, may all beings be well and happy. May we be free from hostility. Because if we have hate and ill will within the heart, then this drags the mind down, it makes it dark and gloomy. And it's the same as well for if there's desire or lust within the heart, that this makes it gloomy as well. But it's a kind of, a kind of happy gloominess. Um, but if the mind is involved in ill will, then this is a sad gloominess. 
And it's also true for drowsiness as well, that this brings the mind down. It makes it gloomy as well. It's, it's just like water, that if that water is all stirred up, if it's not clear, then it's in a gloomy state. And our hearts are the same, that they can be colored by the states that they're in. So if there's kind of sensual desire or lust within the mind, then the mind turns a red or a pink color. We see that people who have uh, lust in their hearts, then their faces are red or pink. And that's due to the blood flowing into the face. But our hearts, they also change color as well due to the aramanas, the emotions or the sense impressions that are put into them. And so this ill will or lust, it has the effect of dragging the mind down. And if we don't train, if we don't practice, then we won't have mindfulness with us. And in that case, our samadhi won't be any good and we'll just be wasting our time. In the space of one day and one night, there's 24 hours. Perhaps we sleep for six of those hours, and what's left is 18. So that gives us time to practice then, to do walking meditation, to sit in meditation. And we need to sit for at least four hours a day. In those 18 hours that are available to us, we use four to do formal meditation. And throughout the rest of our waking hours, then we must have mindfulness with us. And really bring this quality of mindfulness there to fill up the mind and to be very cautious and restrained as well. To know what's going on. Is the mind attracted? Is it pleased by something? Is it displeased by something? Is there fear or love or hate within the mind? Is it scattered? And we must know this, so we must be cautious. So when we sit to meditate, then we need to bring up the sense of caution within the mind as well. And we don't let the mind go thinking about things from the past, memories that may come up. Because it's natural that these memories come up, and we try to prevent the mind from thinking about them. And there may be memories of things that we like, or things that we dislike, or sights that we saw in the past, or sounds or odors, uh, taste, tactile sensations, or feelings that had appeared within the heart. There are those that we liked and those that we disliked. And what this creates in the present moment is the mind that is stirred up. And the mind can easily go thinking and proliferating about these memories. And it can also go speculating about the future as well. And this just makes the heart devoid of peace, doesn't it? It doesn't have any peace within it. So this thinking to the past and the future, it works to make the present moment unpeaceful due to the proliferation that we engage in. So we need to bring up an object for our mind and just one object for it to stay on. 
an object of meditation, that which can bring the mind to peace. For example, we can use the breath, focusing on the in-breath and the out-breath. On the in-breath, we can recite Bud. On the out-breath, Do. And this object helps to establish the mind in peace and stillness. And this is something that's really important. So we stay with this, breathing in, breathing out, until the word Buddha goes all by itself. And we don't need to worry about that, but rather we just carry on knowing this in-breath and this out-breath. And then the mind and the body becomes very light and at ease. And here we see the benefits of what we're doing, um, of our sitting meditation, of our walking meditation. And really, this formal meditation, sitting meditation, walking meditation, it's the most valuable thing that we can be doing. And through this, we'll experience a kind of happiness that we've never had before. Previously, we just gained happiness from the things that we like, But those very things, they cause us suffering as well, when we have to be separated from them. Or perhaps we don't get what we like, we don't get what we want, and then that's a cause for suffering. So what can we do then to free the mind from suffering? Well, we need wisdom. And this wisdom that we require is a very speedy wisdom. It has to be very quick. It has to know things as they're happening, to be on top of things. And when we have this kind of wisdom, then we can contemplate effectively. But normally the kind of wisdom that we gain is that which comes from memory and from thinking. And this is a kind of wisdom as well, but it's just the kind of wisdom that comes from memory, that um, that comes from studying, from reading and then from thinking about those things. So for example, we may think about the body and think how it's not self, how it's something that's unstable and changes. And through this, our mind is able to accept that and believe that. It can believe that this body is not me, it's not mine. But when the mind receives a sense impression, when we see a form, for example, then we need to teach the mind all over again because it gets dragged into liking or disliking towards that form. And so if we see someone who we don't like, who we hate, then there's that feeling of dislike that arises. Ignorance is coming up once again, and a self comes up again. So we have to drag this memory back, this perception that This is not self, this is not me, it's not other. And so why hate, why love, why fear? And then when we meet with another sense impression again, then we need to teach the mind all over again. So what we really need is to bring up inner peace. And then from this inner peace, then wisdom can arise. And this true wisdom that knows things in line with the truth, in line with reality. It's a a knowledge that we gain that is accurate in line with reality. So in order to really gain this understanding, 
this understanding into not-self, um, then we need a foundation for the mind. We need, must depend upon that foundation, um, that of samadhi. And so the meditation objects that we use are for the sake of bringing about this samadhi, of gathering the mind in. So we bring up mindfulness a lot, have a sense of restraint, and really develop this quality of sati, of mindfulness. Because samadhi isn't with us all the time, but we must try to keep our mindfulness with us constantly. Whenever greed, hatred and delusion arise, then we know what's going on and we're cautious there. And then we just bring the mind back to its meditation object. So mindfulness, this sati, and then sampajanya, this clear comprehension or all-round knowing, it helps to pull wisdom in towards us. And when the mind is peaceful, then contemplation is quite easy to do. But if the mind isn't peaceful, then we need to be using our thoughts, to be using memories very often. So I tried this um, before I ordained, tried practicing like this. I would think about the body and think that this body is not me, it's not mine. And uh, when a bit of blood came out from the body, then I would contemplate that and see that this blood, it's not me. But all the blood that was still there within the body, I still saw this as being me. That when I tried to think about the blood that was still inside, and how this isn't me, my mind just couldn't accept that. And that's because wisdom was lacking. So, therefore, using thoughts in this way, we just can't really progress like that. So what we need to do is we need to have a meditation object in order to bring the mind to peace. To be using these objects to train our minds, to gather them and to make them settled. And if we can do that, then we're able to see the really subtle and refined and beautiful things there within the heart. And we know what it's like the mind that's in a state of peace, with joy and rapture arising within it, then we know what that's like. And all the feelings of darkness, of gloominess that comes up through the mind that's gone off into liking or disliking, those that darkness moves far away. And this peace becomes firmly settled and clear, and the mind clears out and it becomes empty. And in that state, it feels like we don't have a body at all, um, that we're just sitting there. But when we open up the eyes, then we see that there is a body there. And we're sitting with our eyes closed in peace, and there's just stillness, this inner calm. Then there's no perception of a body at all. And when the mind is well established in stillness, then it's like this. It feels very calm, very settled, very empty. We may ask ourselves, where are we? And we just don't know. Because the mind, it's, it's still. We may ask, where am I sitting? Where am I lying down? And we just don't know that. Because these thoughts, they're not coming up. These memories aren't coming up. And it's only when you know, we leave that state and we start thinking again that we're able to realize, ah, oh, I'm sitting in my heart right now. But before that, we just didn't know where we were.
That's because the mind has just gone silent, it's gone quiet. And so when it's in a silent state like that, how are we going to know these things? So when we have samadhi, then the knowledge that we gain uh, grows little by little and we're able to contemplate until we can experience this emptiness and this fullness of heart. And here we experience the fruits of the meditation practice that we've done. The initial foundation that we rely upon is that of virtue, of sila. And this is something that both monastics and laity need to take as their foundation. The 227 precepts, or the 10 precepts, or 8 or 5 precepts. And we use this as the foundation for actions of body and speech, so that they're good acts. And then we train in meditation. But for us to develop samadhi, we need to bring up these meditation objects, to be using them frequently. So we can recollect and recite that these bones, they're not beautiful, and the bones are not beautiful. And be contemplating the body in this way, and how there's just flesh covering over these bones, and is that beautiful, is that flesh beautiful? Or we can look at our mouths, um, for example, and see how there are all these bones within the mouth, um, all these teeth there. But if the teeth fell out, then would our mouths be beautiful? Now we perceive them as being beautiful because they're full of teeth. But if we pulled them all out and we smiled, um, then we wouldn't see them as being beautiful at all. Or if they're just full of false teeth, then we don't see that as being beautiful either. And what about this skin? If there are diseases of the skin or if the skin splits, then is it beautiful then? And it has no beauty to it at all. So we contemplate in this way, and contemplate this body. Is it something attractive? Is it something that's beautiful? In our hair, for example, and today was um, head shaving day for the monks. And um, is this hair really something that's beautiful? And when it grows long, then we need to brush it in order to make it attractive. But if our mind isn't peaceful, then wisdom just can't arise around these things. And so we need the meditation objects there. And then based upon that peace that we gain, then we contemplate for wisdom to arise. And when wisdom does arise, then we see sankara's conditioned phenomena in line with reality, in line with truth. See how they're anicca, dukkha, anatta. They're of the nature to change. They're stressful. They're not self. And from this wisdom and vipassana, this clear seeing, can arise. And we gain a knowledge that's on top of things, that's up to speed with things. And the mind here becomes very refined and very beautiful. And so we can contemplate some into the body. And for myself, during my, so my seventh reigns, or maybe my sixth or eighth reigns, there was a whole year where my mind was just still and peaceful. It felt like I couldn't really do anything else. I couldn't think about things or contemplate things. But then I came to contemplate uh, the body. And I examined each part of the body in terms of asuba, seeing how it's something unattractive. 
and went through each part for maybe seven days or five days, and contemplating it as being a super, and then went on to contemplate it as being anatta, as being not-self. I would perceive the body as just being a bag of maggots, or a bag of bones, a bag of blood, a bag of urine or feces, a bag of unattractive things. I bring up these ten asuba objects, seeing the body, seeing the bones just scatter about, for example, looking at it in this way. It's just being a bag of blood or urine or bile. And I could see this clearly, and through that my mind became empty, and I'd come back to contemplate once again. And I could uh, see the body in a really refined state, and see it in a very subtle um, state, see the electricity flowing through the body, and how none of this is a self. So as we contemplate, um, initially it's quite coarse. We see the four elements of earth, water, fire, and air in a coarse way, and then this becomes more and more subtle until we're able to see it on the level of cells. See how the earth, water, fire, and air within each of the cells is not self. And eventually, when the mind gains deeper and deeper levels of samadhi, then the insight that we gain becomes more and more refined as well. It becomes more subtle, more beautiful, the way we're able to contemplate. And so if we do this, if we actually practice like this and experience this, then we're able to talk about these things. But if we don't do the work, then we can't talk about it. And so the thing that's really important for monks is meditation. Us being meditation monks, we need to practice well and really take this as our foundation and take this as the most important thing. You see that I'm able to establish this monastery and build many buildings here um, and have, and there are many monks coming to stay. But this is the present moment. What's important is that we look back and look back to the time when I was staying with my teacher, Lumpucha, with Nombapong. And I would go to all of the meditation sessions, all of the morning chanting, the evening chanting, the work periods, and meditate throughout the day. And I would do this without fail. I would stay uh, cautioned and restrained. I would also eat very little, eat just in my bowl, just the one time a day, and my weight was just 45 kilograms. And so we need to take it for real. We need to really sincerely practice. If we're afraid, then we go to train in a channel ground, or we can go out into a deep forest with tigers and elephants. But nowadays, there isn't really much need to go and find these tigers and elephants because the elephants come to find us. So we need to put in these causes and conditions. And so those were the causes and conditions. And what we're seeing now in the present moment, these are the results. The most important thing is our mind. And we need to bring peace into the mind 
We need to have joy there, nourishing our hearts. And this fullness, this inner state of happiness, we need to bring up these states. And so that wisdom can arise, this knowledge which is up to speed with things. And this is what comes from our meditation practice. Studying the theory, studying the books, this gives us one kind of knowledge. And it's important in the beginning to gain this so that we don't lose the way, so we don't go on the wrong paths. But clear knowledge, and this can only arise through the practice. So therefore this year, we must really be sincere in the practice. The monks, we need to practice a lot. And see that each year, there can be kind of more and more work that happens. There's different building that goes on. There's the work of uh, spreading the Dhamma. There's other kinds of work. But we also need to know how to put these down as well. And to rely upon our meditation, to take this meditation as our foundation. So we're going to have a meeting about this coming rains retreat and um, how we're going to use this well to practice sincerely. And so our teacher is still here. And this is something that's really important uh, because when he's still here, then we can ask him questions. If we gain a state of samadhi, then we can ask him about that, what to do next, what's this like. If wisdom arises, then we can ask, is this correct? How do I proceed? And so we train and we practice, and we do so together, meditating together, and really putting in our effort and not slacking in this effort, being sincere together. And so this is what we need to the attitude that we need to bring up for all the monks. And we see that we've all given many things up already, we've all sacrificed already. And this is even more so for the monks from overseas, who have come a very long way to be here. We can see with Ajahnachalo, um, sat for many thousands of hours under the Bodhi tree. And initially he started off with five hours a day, and then when he kind of got that down, then increased that to six hours, seven hours, eight hours, up to nine hours, until he was able to sit nine hours every day, and that was something just normal for him. And so we can train ourselves to do this as well. And so perhaps we can start off with two hours a day until we become used to that and take that as our standard. And then after one month, increase that to three hours. Then after another month, four hours, and then five hours. And so we should get to this point where we're able to be meditating for five hours a day. Where this is just the standard that we keep on a normal basis. So this is really important, this training, this practice, to be sincere. And so during this vasa then Ajantui will be kind of leading the monks in this, in the practice. So we're going to have a meeting about this, about how to be sincerely practicing um, during this rains retreat. And when we kind of sincerely keep our minds with our meditation objects, what we gain from that is merit and barami.
And this is something that each of us gains. We see that the external things that we can gain, the kind of wealth that comes, or the praise that comes, or the status that comes, that this is different for each individual. But really, all of it arrives due to the barami of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Due to the faith that the people have in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. So all of us here, we all have faith. So what we must do now is to really set our hearts on practice, on meditation, and to take this as the foundation of our hearts, as the most important thing, to really be sincerely practicing together. <laughs> 